0: Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code MAYFLOWERS, one word, to receive your discount. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code MAYFLOWERS. Thank you for your support. This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. We've got the votes and screw the rest of you. And Dr. Kavita
1: Patel. These might be some of the smaller moments. You know with all the bombshells didn't catch people's eyes hello and welcome to words matter my name is kavita patel and i'm here with my co-host norm ornstein for a special somewhat abbreviated episode but i think norm we can talk about why both you and i are in different parts of the country attending some very interesting conferences i'm at a primary care conference on integration of behavioral health Uh, A very relevant topic that we'll touch on at the end of our pod as we talk about the Surgeon General's recently released report on social media. Norm, what are you doing? Where are you this week?
0: I am in my home city of Minneapolis for the annual meeting of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI. Uh, So uh, this is a fairly important gathering, which includes thousands of people from all different areas Uh, And it's becoming more important, obviously, as these issues of behavioral health uh, rise to crisis point throughout the society. So I'm only gonna be here uh, for uh, a day plus, but interacting with a lot of uh, people from around the country who are trying to find ways to deal with the uh, mental illness crisis.
1: Yeah, well, it'll be great to maybe get some of your kind of summary thoughts uh, as we touch on the Surgeon General topic. Um, I'm sure there was a little bit of buzz, to say the least, oh, yeah. about this report. So, so but let's get into uh, something that you and I did not attend, which is um, Ron DeSantis's um, incredible, dare I say, um, incredible, and probably exactly like his um, SpaceX launch, uh, or just as successful, as, <laughs> as I might say, Ron DeSantis's um, announcement. Now, I, I have to confess when. Um, there was a part of me that was gleeful when I, I wasn't listening, but uh, I was monitoring, I kind of following as you were Twitter, yeah. and saw the um, many incredible jokes and memes. Maybe we'll cover some of them. But <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you, not only was I underwhelmed by what seemed like, you know, I, I think at peak I was following Maggie Haberman's coverage of it in the Times, kind of like on her like on the live blog yeah. news feed. And I think at a peak, or maybe cumulatively, they had at most six hundred thousand listeners. It was a hun- It was definitely underwhelming for what um, I'm sure, uh, DeSantis had expected. Certainly, what Elon had expected. And they had so many technical glitches that if listeners um, were not aware, that at one point it actually kicked Ron DeSantis out of the Twitter Spaces app which I think was somehow some, you know, appropriate divine intervention. Yeah, exactly. Karma, divine intervention, all of the other things. Or or I'd like to think, Norm, that it was Tina Turner, um, you know, from like the (laughs) heavens, basically, basically throwing throwing down a lightning bolt. Norm, tell me your reactions. And does this help? Because we're talking about DeSantis constantly or does it hurt him? What's your take?
0: Oh, I think it definitely hurts him. Uh, You know, DeSantis is trying to portray uh, an image of a super competent guy who can do what Trump did, but so much better uh, and so much broader. And to have this kind of embarrassment, which is a national focus, isn't going to help him very much. You know, on the other hand, you know, if we're going to look at the long game, We got a long ways to go before you actually get to a Republican primary contest, and all kinds of stuff can happen. I've been a skeptic all along. Ron DeSantis is somewhere on the spectrum, um, and he clearly is a sociopath. He has great difficulty interacting with and maintaining eye contact with other people. He is a horrible retail campaigner. It uh, says an awful lot about Florida, and not very good things about Florida, that he was able to win, and win re-election handily, and continue to have a high approval rating in spite of his uh, policies, which border on the fascistic, Um, but I don't see him being able to do well nationally, and the fact that you do a ballyhoo rollout, and it turns out to be an utter catastrophe. Uh, is going to stick with him for some time. Can't be good.
1: Okay, so then that takes me to my next question, which is how then does this field shape out? We've got, you know, Tim Scott, uh, yeah. even Asa Hutchinson was, I mean, I, I can't think of a single person who didn't uh, take advantage of DeSantis's launch failed launch yesterday. But tell me kind of what you think this means. I, by the way, I thought the best twi- tweet of Joe Biden's uh, was Joe Biden's yesterday. If you saw it, it was uh, yeah. Joe Biden's yeah. official account that said, you know, this link actually works kind of with a link to his <laughs> um, reelection <laughs> announcement. But walk through, Norm, then what you think this means for the to me, this just keeps underscoring that. I mean, Trump is going to be the Republican candidate. Am, am, am I wrong? Are we are we watching Tim Scott? No. Are there some other people that you've got your eye on? People have mentioned Glenn Youngkin. You saw that on the Twitter traffic yep. yesterday. Um, tell me, what's your what are you hearing?
0: So I do think uh, the the person to keep an eye on and a very wary eye on is Glenn Youngkin. Youngkin is a more competent and friendlier version of Ron DeSantis. Which is uh, a good thing, perhaps, for him in a Republican side. It's not a good thing more generally. I have thought from the beginning that um, the journalists who cover politics, and that includes the ones in the Washington Post, have uh, been gulled all along by Glenn Youngkin. He wears fleece vests, he smiles. They therefore think of him as being kind of moderate, but he is a full on racist Trumpist. And yet, He's not going to have the problems that DeSantis has of relating to other people because he can relate to other people. He said he's not running. His top campaign person is actually now working for DeSantis. Uh, I don't think that means much of anything. If the field looks like there is an opening for a friendly and smarter version of Trump, uh, Glenn, Glenn Youngkin is the one I would watch. There's one other thing we ought to mention, Kavita, which is uh, DeSantis wasn't the only candidate in the news yesterday. And beyond Tim Scott, we had Nikki Haley once yes. again pandering to the worst instincts of Republicans, talking about corporations that are uh, nodding to the LBGDQ community. And, you know, trying to play that card, which is a vile card to play. And uh, what we're seeing, I think, is at this point, Asa Hutchinson is the only candidate who is running as a non-Trumpist conservative. Chris Sununu might well enter the race to do the same thing. I have a very, very, very hard time imagining that this Republican Party, which is now almost completely a Trumpist and a Trump Republican party, would have any use for somebody who doesn't look to them as being like Donald Trump. And right now that's Donald Trump.
1: Well, and and, you know, not just Nikki Haley, I'm glad you mentioned Nikki. I I have to say that let's let's weave into that what we saw unfolding in Target yesterday, right? This is not uh, an accident. And, and I'm of two minds of this. The, my initial instinct was, you know, shame on Target. I'm a big, you know, look, I'm a mom of yeah. two young kids. Target is, um, yeah. I, I actually think that at one point, you know, Target uh, had the majority of my, like, home savings uh, from <laughs> all my purchases there. So my initial instinct was, you know, shame on Target. This is, this is terrible. I, I still have that kind of... Um, I still have that core feeling, and for listeners who might not be aware, Target employees and multiple stores, and it's not an accident, it happened while Nikki Haley has been spewing, not just Nikki Haley, but many kind of trolls have been spewing this hatred of corporations like Target, like other kind of large, like Coca-Cola and others that have had rainbow themes or kind of had positive LGBTQ messages. And so Target was forced to kind of take away any of those products and it unleashed just kind of you know a torrential storm of conversation. What uh, so my instinct was to be very upset. My but my concern, Norm, I have to be honest, you and I were in DC around at, at January 6th. I'm starting okay. to think of the safety of people, and, and Norm, I'm I'm gonna say this, and I hope listeners um, really heed this as, as why I'm kind of kind of supporting Target. I worry about the safety of their employees. I mean, this is like a very serious physical threat of harm that people have received. What? But it's working. Their bullying tactics are working, which is also distressing to admit.
0: You know, I, I, I'm entirely with you on this one. My first instinct was to say, Target, this cowardice is just embarrassing. Then I realized that this is a, a campaign. It's a concerted campaign. Focusing on one corporation at a time to intimidate through violence and the threats of violence. If this is not reminiscent of Germany in the 1930s, uh, I don't know what would be. We know that wow. it's a, a uh, that it's a concerted campaign, and we know that there will be uh, another target targeted very soon on similar grounds. And you know, you do have to look at Target in the context of Disney. Which is standing up to and actually really damaging Ron DeSantis at this point, and damaging Florida. And at some point, you got to believe that people in Florida are going to realize that what DeSantis is doing is uh, is extraordinarily harmful. But this well, you've got of- the
1: NAACP issuing a warning for the yeah. state. I mean, that was uh, you know earlier this week. The NAACP, one of the most prominent kind of human rights organizations in our country. Um, For persons of color, basically saying black people should be warned, uh, both in Florida and visiting Florida. I've never seen a domestic travel advisory like that. Norm, have you?
0: No, I haven't. And uh, well, I think you could get one going back to the nineteen (laughs) fifties when uh, we still had (laughs) occasional lynchings. But uh, and we're going to see, I think, a lot of uh, uh, international uh, warnings uh, emerging as well. And of course, you know, in Florida. Mm I, I noticed uh, there was something like six road rage shootings, most of them fatal uh, just in one day last week. Uh, so the guns are a threat to everybody, but a particular threat to people of color. Uh, and you know we're gonna see other corporations that are targeted in this way. And it's a very, very disturbing phenomena. I think you know a lot of this is uh, the product of what Steve Bannon has been trying to do. They're trying to create a, a form of a police state, and it's not surprising that they would go after corporations that are trying to be uh, broad-based and broad-minded. Uh, they want to well, intimidate.
1: Well, while we're talking about a police state, um, it was not lost on me also that uh, yesterday, the day prior to this pod recording, uh, it was the one year anniversary of Uvalde, at Texas, kind of not just not just like one of like the most horrific kind of large mass shooting events, because unfortunately, we have too many, too numerous to count as yeah. you know, I've talked about. But it happened. I, I, I can't, it's not lost on me, Norm, that the irony <clears throat> that we've failed to do anything on gun legislation. And this was also within 24 hours of South Carolina passing another an, an incredibly strict nationwide theme of a strict abortion ban. at six weeks. As a fact, as a doctor, I will be here to state for the 10 millionth time that uh, yeah. to a woman, very few women, including myself, know that they're pregnant by six weeks and that even the timing of ensuring The age of a pregnancy is incredibly variable. So, just suffice it to say, the governor of South Carolina went on Twitter to make a comment that this was, you know, ensuring the protection of all life. This was as we were literally watching the headlines, and I think you and I both read the Washington Post. The Washington Post doing a very—I hope um, listeners can get a chance to read it. It's not behind a paywall around their investigative report of the shortcomings of the Uvalde police response, and even more troubling Norm. I don't know if you saw this to kind of tie into our theme of mental health um, that we want to, to try to weave in since you and I are both at mental health conferences. Um, that they that there that uh, unfortunately that there was a German teen who was engaged who knew about the shooting. Uh, on a social media website called Mark, and and that she actually now she's under she's in Germany she's juvenile she's actually under charges in Germany for her lack of response which I thought was interesting, but on top of that you know just t- kind of tell me Norm I mean this wasn't news to you probably about both South Carolina and Uvalde but here we have one Republican governor declaring this six week abortion ban is a protection of all lives. And we have lost lives in Texas that still nobody is accountable for and that nobody is kind of nobody's concerned about the thousands of lives that will be lost by the end of next week because we did nothing on gun violence.
0: Uh, I, I uh, both of those things I found profoundly disturbing. But one of the interesting things about Uvalde in the story was you had all of these police, many of them in full body gear uh, who'd been trained for this stuff. And their reaction was, oh my God, he's got an AR-15. We're not going in there. In other words, these were people who know that the AR-15 is a deadly weapon. And yet we're seeing AR-15s everywhere. Uh, And even, you know, this intimidates the police from going in. of course, the other truly disturbing element is that these cowards, who contributed to even more deaths of young children, uh, that there have been no consequences. There are no consequences for dereliction of duty uh, in this case. Now on the South Carolina case, I just uh, would, one would add, what we're seeing is the radicalism of the Republican party, which we have seen, you know, full born in Washington, we're seeing it now as we careen towards uh, a default, driven by the Freedom Caucus, but in the states, they are becoming even more radical uh, than they are in Washington. And one other thing we might note is that in Nebraska, we have a 17-year-old girl uh, who, uh, with the help of her mother, got a medication abortion while Roe v. Wade was still the prevailing law of the land. And she is now gonna be sentenced to possibly two years in prison for doing this, and her mother up to eight years in prison. This is what's happening now around the country. And we're gonna see uh, the pro-life people creating a whole lot more deaths and destruction, uh, the so-called pro-life people, uh, in uh, the name of uh, their own uh, flawed ideology.
1: Uh, what I'm glad you brought about? up the Nebraska case because um, it has opened up in some of my kind of, um, you know, reproductive justice care, like the health care circles. Yeah. It's it's actually brought up conversations, uh, and I don't think this will shock listeners either, that this has brought up conversations about how we, even in states, we, you and I have talked about the Mifepristone mm-hmm. issue, where um, we're waiting for the Fifth Circuit to kind of issue a ruling, which I fully expect will kind of kind of still roll yeah, back, meaning a put, one. put put the access in, you know, make it difficult to access Mifepristone. Put that aside even for a second. And let's just assume medication abortions still stand. But to your point that the Nebraska case is being closely watched all around the country, just because we as providers are trying to think, how can we provide safely these medications in a way where they are not held under criminal liability? I mean, we're having conversations, Norm, I, I can't describe to you. We're talking about paper um, prescriptions so that there's no electronic record and trying to work with people so that we have um, so that we have instead of the prescription going to the intended which is actually illegal and I would be in trouble if I did that but we're trying to think through how can we offer these prescriptions and I'm doing that in the home state of Maryland where we enjoy incredible protections on reproductive justice but that's exactly the conversations happening because of that Nebraska case I'm glad you brought it up. You were going to mention something else.
0: I just, uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, while we were talking about Texas, um, the most interesting thing that's happened in Texas in the last couple of days, other than the anniversary of Uvalde, was that the uh, perhaps the most corrupt public official, elected official in the country now is Ken Paxton, the attorney general uh, of Texas. He has been under indictment in the state for securities fraud for, I think, eight years now and still no trial. He had four of his top lieutenants, assistant attorney general, uh, call him out for corruption, for bribery, for cover-ups. They all got fired. Um, they've gone to court. He's been seeking the, to have the state pay a $3.3 million settlement with them and to avoid what appears to be the possibility of being impeached in the Texas legislature run by conservative Republicans. And two things yesterday. One was he called on the Speaker of the House to resign because he said the Speaker was intoxicated on the floor of the House. This is the Speaker who is moving to impeach him. And the Texas legislature uh, notified the attorney general that he had to retain and give to them a whole bunch of records around the possible impeachment. And then lo and behold, last night, there was a large, literal dumpster fire outside the attorney general's office, which almost certainly <laughs> included a whole lot of documents. So uh, I mentioned that not just because it's farcical, but Ken Paxton, under indictment for eight years, under charges of bribery, got reelected handily last time with everything that Ron DeSantis is doing and with his weird personality. He won handily for election. So we've lost the capacity in many cases, this is the cancer of tribalism, of voters even being able to single out truly bad actors and say, Yes, I agree with their policies, but boy, we can't have somebody like that in public life. Now they're celebrated. And of course, Clarence Thomas comes to mind on that front as well. But that's Yeah, exactly.
1: We've it's lost it's the it's world we, country. We've lost the ability. Ken Paxton, so I I um <laughs> if you follow politics in Texas, it, it, there have been so many, uh, I, I want to say Ken Paxton's that it's, again, also too numerous to count. Um, and honestly, it started with, at least from my recollection, you know, kind of the transition after after we went from um, Governor Ann Richards, and then we had kind of, a, you know, we, George uh, W. Bush. I mean, we've had kind of a series and string of Texas governors, which actually don't have that many power, but Texas state legislature, which you know meets every two years and, and does have incredible power. And so there's um, Ken Paxton is just yet again another reminder, and I'm hopeful that um, you'll see some of the Texas turning blue trends, but it's going to take a long time, Norm, and you're right. This is like a state now held captive. I want to say not necessarily by fringe minority, but certainly voices like Ken Paxton's. Are, are are definitely holding a disproportionate amount of power in their, uh, you know, kind of holding the legislature hostage, holding the state hostage. And to your point, they, like Ken is the one, you know, both prosecuting and he's the one that's bringing some of these like trials forward around reproductive access. Some of the um, transgender, as you know, Texas, along with Florida, along with many states, unfortunately, where they're bringing kind of criminal and civil penalties um, forward against transgender care. Uh, and that's and and maybe we can close out. We'll we'll pick up this topic next week, because uh, yeah. I think you and I'll come away from from I, I think that we're going to see the topic of the mental health of the country, whether it's related to gun violence, reproductive access, voting rights. Um, feeling safe while Black in America, uh, just watching what's happening with the election. I-, I think we're going to have this kind of recurrent theme of information assault that really attacks our mental health. Social media with Surgeon General Vivek Murthy's report that was released um, that highlights that it, there's not enough research to show that social media can be safely used. And that in fact, it constitutes a serious mental health threat, especially to adolescents, to teens. Um, That is something that I hope becomes, uh, you and I both probably have worked and talked to C. Everett Koop when he was the Surgeon General and really advocated against smoking, uh, or at least advocated for um, transparency and awareness on the toxicity of health around smoking. And Norm, you remember that was dismissed. I mean, doctors smoked in hospitals at the bedside. I still worked in a hospital in medical school. Where we had an ashtray by the hospital bed, and it was for the doctors, not the patients. So, uh, tell me, Norm, if you don't mind, kind of closing us out. And for our listeners, we we did an abbreviated episode combining our members only and our public episode because Norm and I are kind of um, away, being smarter. Norm, tell me your thoughts as we kind of close about where we are in the country, what your take, and what people are saying at your conference around the social media report at mine. I'm just going to tell you, people are like, it's about time, no duh. And then number three, what the heck are we going to do about it? And I think three is where I settle as a policy person. What are you hearing, Norm? What are your thoughts when you kind of take in total? It's not just social media. Our country is in this mental health crisis that we've been in for decades, but it really sure does feel palpable to everyone now, like a raw nerve. What's What's your perspective?
0: So I think uh, if there's good news in this, it is that more and more people are coming to recognize that we have a mental health crisis. And I think more and more people are coming to recognize that these are brain diseases and we are seeing at least some lessening of the stigma. That's on one side of the ledger. The other side of the ledger is first that, of course, the pro-gun people continue to try to use mental illness as their way of avoiding doing anything about guns, uh, despite the reality that every country has significant issues with uh, mental illness, but we're the only one that has uh, massive uh, deaths from gun violence. Um, But that's a problem that we have as well, and they're increasing the stigma at one level. You look at what's happened in New York, uh, where now For a a whole lot of people, Daniel Penny, the Marine who uh, killed this poor young man uh, suffering a a mental health crisis in the subway car, is being treated as a hero. It's vigilante justice. uh, That also is disturbing. Then we have the larger reality that you referred to, Kavita, which is that this has been building for a long time we have all kinds of issues in the society. There's no question that it's amplified uh, by uh, social media, Uh, but we also know that COVID brings on its own uh, uh, acceleration of mental health issues, suicide, uh, suicidal ideation, uh, depression, um, and It's not clear that we have the ability to focus on it. I'm worried now, to bring it back full circle, and this may be a good place to end, that as we approach this crisis over a potential default, that what we're going to see, among other things, is if there's a deal, they're going to claw back a lot of the unspent money on COVID, much of which has been used to give people health insurance. And I'm afraid that we're gonna see more cuts in federal spending on healthcare. That means we're not gonna see the things that we need to deal with the mental health crisis, including building more beds, including um, uh, making sure that people are able to get care. So I I think we're at a a real flex point in the society more broadly. Uh, And I have a hard time being wildly optimistic.
1: Well, we're going to end on that note, but instead of ending on what I know you and I share is a pessimistic note, Here's what I'm going to say. My wild optimism is that you and I are going to be in rooms and maybe we can give listeners like a little preview of some of the discussions um, next week as we go into our next pod recording. But we're in rooms where people want to solve the problems. I mean, what I see in my conference are people sitting around the table and thinking about, listen, we now have telehealth. Listen, we now have remote access capabilities for behavioral health. I'm here because I want people like me trained in primary care to learn how to deal and recognize uh signs of anxiety and depression and like really just not even serious mental illness but both serious mental illness and and what I would say are things like a, you know affective disorder where we see a more milder form of the mental illness prior to some of these episodes we need to we, I see people wanting to work on this so so your point about This gets us back to the words that matter. This is why Joe Biden must win, because we don't have we don't have the burning desire from other leaders right now to fight for the people who can't speak for themselves, meaning Medicaid access, expanding the role of kind of health care in mental health in schools. So I'm going to I'm going to hope that um, you and I come away I know at NAMI, I've been to NAMI conferences. We're going to see people who believe and and have the energy. We just need to do our part as voters to support them. So I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful that both you and I are so busy uh, on this topic, and and can take some lessons away. And hope our listeners can forgive us for doing something slightly shorter. Uh, but we'll be we'll be back next week with both our public and members only section, and really look forward to to, to hopefully picking up the conversation on what we're going to do about it next time. Thank you Norm and thank you to our incredible listeners. I want to thank our great executive producer Chris Cotmore. This is the Words Matter podcast. We love for you. If you any of our themes or conversations kind of hit a kind of hit a chord with you, share this with your friends, all social media. We're on all the podcast players. And we didn't do a members-only HOD today, but please become a member so that we can be part of conversations as we have them and talk about important topics. And hope to see you next week in your podcast devices. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Take care.